Hello, and welcome to the Upper Bowl GM Podcast. My name is Nick Sararis, and it is time to try and unpack the last 48 hours or so in Rangers land. I had to do this earlier in the season when Tony D'Angelo was uh, put on waivers and then exiled to South New Jersey, and it's time. I don't have the tack board behind me, but in spirit, I am looking for Pepe Silvia. Let's get right on into it. No guests, no fancy bells and whistles, no drops, no nothing. Let's get on into it. What we know. The Rangers fired General Manager Jeff Gordon and Team President John Davidson at about 3 o'clock Eastern Standard Time with no immediate cause, and the story begins to trickle out. We get some semblance of an idea, but before we get into the exact timeline of events over the last 48 hours, it's important to understand what James Dolan's role has been with the Rangers in his tenure as owner. So it is important to remember that, yes, even though James Dolan doesn't really acknowledge the Rangers and only shows up to games a couple times a season and doesn't really play as direct a role in the decisions on the hockey side of things with the Rangers as he does the basketball side of things with the Knicks, he is still the owner. And for much of his tenure as owner of the team, he's left things to Glenn Sather, whether or not you want to believe what I've been told from a few separate sources that uh, the only reason Glenn Sather has been with the Rangers this long is that when James Dolan was a kid, his dad took him to a Rangers practice and uh, Glenn Sather was nice to him, gave James a puck when James was a kid and James has remembered that his entire life. You can believe me. You can choose not to believe me. I have it on pretty good authority that that's a, that's a real anecdote. So, Dolan always trusted Glenn Sather. Sather did not do a great job running the team pre-2004 and even post the 2004 lockout with a salary cap in place. They still didn't do a great job of building a team. Sure, they had some high-end players. You had your Henrik Lundqvist come over as a rookie and make an impact right away. You had Yager with the check line. You got an interesting group of guys on that team, whether you're talking about Pruka, Michael Nylander. The players from that era on pretty non-threatening teams in terms of winning anything. They went to the playoffs a couple of times. They lost that series to the Devils where Yager dislocated his shoulder. They won a playoff series against the Atlanta Thrashers, lost to the Buffalo Sabres. The following offseason, they go out, they give the captain of that Sabres team, Chris Drury, who's a recurring character in this thread, a big money contract. They sign Scott Gomez, and that doesn't really work. That team never really reaches much of a ceiling. They don't go on to do anything of note. They trade Gomez for Ryan McDonough, and Slats slowly but surely realizes that if you want to have a good team, you got to build through the draft, and then when the time is right, you make your move. He made his move. He traded for Rick Nash when the time was right. He ended up trading Marion Gabrick to Columbus for Derek Broussard, for Derek Dorsett, and for John Moore. He felt like that team in 2014 and 2015, those two instances, were good enough to win. After 2015, Gorton takes over as general manager. Sather goes up to the president's office, and Gorton has a mixed bag as general manager. For all of the good moves, there is an equally bad move. I think Gorton is a relatively average general manager. He didn't make 
any outstanding moves that weren't moves already coming to him. And by that, I mean drafting Lafreniere 1 and Kako 2, trading for Adam Fox, who wanted to be a Ranger, trading for Jacob Truba, who wanted to be a Ranger, and throwing a bag at Artemi Panarin, who wanted to live in New York and be a Ranger. While, yes, he had to close the deal, I do think any general manager with some common sense could have made those moves happen. And all of this is important because you have to understand that for the most part, James Dolan has let hockey people make hockey decisions. There wasn't really much of a process when it came to hiring people. Dolan might have met with coaches they hired or met with Gorton before they promoted him to general manager, but he was listening to Glenn Sather's opinion. Glenn Sather still has a role in the organization. He's assisting Chris Drury, who is now the president and general manager. He's filling both roles at the same time. And early reports are that Chris Drury is going to stay in both of those roles and that he's the man for the job. This is not an interim tag associated with Chris Drury. Now... That we've covered that, we can talk a little bit more about why why I think James Dolan made this decision. Number one, we it starts with Artemi Panarin. The Rangers, when it comes to public relations statements and calling people out and being authoritative, for the most part, don't take strong stances on anything. I called them out a lot during the summer of 2020 for not being more active in social justice causes and being more assertive, calling out the people who bombed the Zoom call they had with K. Andre Miller, throwing racial slurs around. The Rangers' very meek response said we referred it to the police, nondescript. The two times that Artemi Panarin has been in danger of some kind, they've issued some of the most forceful statements I've seen from a hockey team. When Panarin was accused of... um abuse of a woman in Russia that happened 10 years ago. The Rangers issued one of the strongest statements they've issued and said, we support him 100%. These unfounded allegations have no merit. The source of the allegations has ulterior motives. We think that this is political because Panarin's voiced support for Putin opposition. And then on on Tuesday, when the Department of Player Safety and George Peros only gave Tom Wilson a $5,000 fine, James Dolan took it upon himself to issue a public relations statement through the Rangers calling for George Peros' job, saying that the team did not have confidence in his ability to effectively discharge the responsibilities of his office. And the common thread here for important things the Rangers are taking a stand on is Artemi Panarin. And I do think to some degree James Dolan realizes that this is one of the five highest paid players in the entire league, and I got to... I got to take care of my investment here. I do think to some degree the fact that he's paying Panarin so much money, he's a little bit more invested in this than he's been in some of the other instances that have happened in recent Rangers history. And that's where we get to what we think we know. Because let's be frank, NHL insiders take what their sources tell them and they run with it. They don't push back and whatever narrative gets out into the public... That is the official narrative that goes on the record because NHL insiders don't want to put burn sources and push sources and try and actually get to the bottom of things. It's why when the Tony D'Angelo incident happened, we still don't fully know what happened. It's why we still don't fully know what happened with Leo Sanderson with the Rangers and his accusations he was bullied and the team never really took care of that situation. 
we will probably never actually know the reason James Dolan decided to fire his front office brain trust on Wednesday afternoon, but my working theory is pretty straightforward. I mentioned this in that little video I posted from the Twitter account earlier on Wednesday afternoon. I think James Dolan was a little bit fed up with the fact the team wasn't playing that well. I think he thought they were going to make the playoffs this year, and he was probably looking for an excuse to make a change. It's a very James Dolan thing to do. If you're a Knicks fan, if you're familiar with New York sports, you know that James Dolan is famous for meddling, getting involved in situations he shouldn't be in, putting his general managers, his coaches, his team presidents in untenable situations, and boxing them into corners. And what I think happened is there was reports from a few different insiders in the Toronto media that Gorton and Davidson had made sure to distance themselves from that strongly worded statement about the Department of Player Safety to other teams around the league because there are norms here. And Gorton and Davidson are members of the old boys club. While I think they were relatively good at their jobs respectively, neither of those guys wants to be thrown out of the hockey men club. If... One of them or both of them backed what Dolan said about the Department of Player Safety and Dolan eventually decided to fire them anyway. There's no guarantee that they would still have the same level of credibility with the old boys club. Because when it comes down to it, these are people acting in self-preservation and they never want to be taken out of said club. And I think they wanted to let other teams know, no, that wasn't us. That was our owner. If we had the opportunity, we would love to have a guy like Tom Wilson on our team. That's, I think, what really happened from at least that side of things. Do I think that this was premeditated, that the statement and the brain trust not backing the statement had nothing to do with their firing? No, that's ridiculous. Darren Dreger, you can believe Darren Dreger's report. I don't. That is non-critical thinking from someone who should know better. I I understand why insiders report the way they do. They work for affiliates. They work for partners of the NHL. They are not journalistic entities. They are partners. As much as I like Elliot Friedman's work, as much as I like Darren Dreger's, Bob McKenzie's, as valuable as their resources are, as valuable as their reporting is, They never get to the bottom of anything because they don't want to rock the boat because they work for partners of the league. If push came to shove and any of those individuals tried rocking the boat, the NHL would go to Rogers, they would go to TSN, they would go to NBC, they would go to NHL Network, and they would get that insider fired because nobody gets to rock the boat. This is an old boys club, and the people within said club have every intent of it staying that way. Now, coming back to Dolan. I think Dolan wanted a reason to fire them. I don't know if I entirely believe this was something that was in the works for a while. I don't believe that. It just it doesn't add up. And I'm going to get to the questions I still have in a minute, but that part doesn't add up. I do think... He was looking for a reason to get rid of them. Their show, their showing of disloyalty in face of heat from the league, because make no mistake, the league is probably going to find the Rangers on some level for the statement about the Department of Player Safety. 
I know I saw a few people floating the theory around that the Rangers fired Gordon and Davidson because they were the ones who were strongly standing with the player. I don't buy that theory. We've seen reporting from pretty reliable people that they were the ones who didn't want to be associated with it. And the weird thing is, I know Dolan did this. He fired them mostly out of disloyalty, but... On principle, I kind of understand the rationale for wanting to fire them for not believing in your statement. Because if Gorton and Davidson didn't agree that what Tom Wilson did was egregious and that the Department of Player Safety is a joke, they're idiots. So I do think James Dolan made, might have made the right decision. It just probably was for the wrong reason. It was probably out of self-interest and wanting loyal people in positions of power in your hockey franchise instead of... How could you not be on the side of our best player and our most expensive player? I'm giving this guy $12 million a year, and you guys don't want to stand up to him, to this league office that constantly jerks us off and dicks us around when it comes to decision-making? You think that's fair to us, that our best player could have been seriously injured, and I wrote a statement, and you guys thought that wasn't okay, that I called out the Department of Player Safety for not making sure a player was safe. So, I understand... I understand a lot of the apprehension that's going around right now. And I don't think the official story adds up is where I'm going right now. The loose ends... I'm still wondering. I do think, to some degree... This might have been an emotional decision for James Dolan... Where he was pissed off... At what happened on Monday night, and this just kind of pushed him over the edge, the perceived disloyalty, so he shit-canned them and said, get fucking lost for kind of a dumb reason, but at the same time, a reason I would understand if I were James Dolan. I'm not James Dolan, obviously. I kind of wish I was, but that's a different story for a different day. I do think... I do think this was an emotional decision where... Dolan probably wasn't thinking the most rationally. And let's be honest, this is a move he would have done with the Knicks if something similar happened to the Knicks. This is textbook, something that would have happened with Scott Layton, with Steve Mills, with Phil Jackson, where someone would have been disloyal to other teams around the league, said something about Dolan behind his back to the other teams around the league, and he would have snapped off and fired them. And I think that's probably what happened. I think Dolan probably lost it a little bit. He was already a little bit pissed the team wasn't playing well. Monday pushed him over the edge, and he was really fired up, and he heard something he didn't want to hear, and he shit-canned them. I do think, before I get to my loose ends, the theory I've seen that I do believe is he wanted to fire Jeff Gorton for not backing him, and he told John C. Davidson, his president of hockey operations, to be the hatchet man to fire him. JD said, no, if you fire him, you got to fire me too. And they both went. I could believe that because JD's only been here about two years. That's a pretty short stint for a team president. Team presidents usually last longer than general managers. I mean, a general manager in the NHL usually gets about four years. A team president usually gets about six to seven. A team president usually gets two general managers and three to four head coaches before they're fired. Davidson got the better part of two years so I don't entirely believe that this was something that was in the works for a while I think this was probably an impulse decision fueled by an emotional 48 hours now coming to loose ends 
The most obvious one is David Quinn, who is still the head coach of the Rangers for some inexplicable reason. If the team wasn't meeting expectations, wouldn't it have made sense to fire the coach instead of the general manager and the president? Because the head coach is the one most directly in charge of the decision-making on a night-to-night basis. When you're a team like the Rangers that's played relatively well this season but just cannot score even though you're creating quality chances, I think that probably has to do something more with the style of play you're employing, the efficiency of your style style as opposed to the players that have been picked for the style because talent wise the Rangers are not as bad as they've played this year and that's kudos to Gorton and Davidson even yes though John Davidson was the one who was pounding the table for Jack Johnson and we come to a really interesting point in this discussion where I understand the decisions that were made Like, at face value, if those were the reasons James Dolan decided he couldn't have Jeff Gordon and John Davidson in charge of hockey decision for his team anymore, that it was those two weren't willing to stand up to the league for the team's star player, and they weren't being aggressive enough in improving the team directly, I could see that being a legitimate argument for grounds for firing the two. I do think, though, that if this was in the works for the while, you could have just let them play out the last three games of the regular season, and it really wouldn't have made much of a difference whether or not Chris Drury was general manager and president for these last three games. I, The big question still is, if this was premeditated, that things weren't working, that, that James Dolan wasn't okay with what was happening, why is the coach still here? I... I've been pretty confident now for, I'd say, about a year and a half that David Quinn is not the coach of a successful hockey team at the NHL level. He He's just, his decision-making is befuddling, and that brings me to one last thing in this section I want to talk about. I talked about this on this podcast a few weeks ago with my friend Casey Thoreau. We discussed... Why we thought David Quinn was being so stubborn with lineup decisions. Why he was playing a very low-ceiling, high-floor lineup. He was really trying to play defensive, grind it out, win every game 3-2, 2-1 hockey. Insisting on using guys like Kevin Rooney and Brett Howden over Julian Gauthier and uh, Vitaly Kraftsov. And we guessed that the front office was leaning on him to make the playoffs because... They felt they could make the playoffs with the team they had if it was just massaged and organized the right way. Maybe that theory we were flushing out in open stream of consciousness was kind of right. Maybe Dolan was leaning on the pair of Gorton and Davidson for the Rangers to make the playoffs this year. And in turn, they were leaning downward on the Quinn saying... We know we have these guys here with the upside, but we'd rather you play these guys who aren't going to kill us and hope our top-end guys can carry us over the finish line here and make it to make a playoff run. I do think all of the things I'm saying here add up to some semblance of a full picture. Like I said at the first part of this, we will probably never know the full story because all the parties involved want to stay in the club. If Gorton and Davidson spill to an insider... They're not going to be in the club anymore because no owner's going to take a chance on them. Point blank. No owner's going to take a chance on them. And it's why hockey is the way it is. Now, a quick detour. 
because in this 48 hours, there was a hockey game. The uh, The Rangers played the Capitals on Wednesday night, and NBC sent good old Pierre Maguire up there to uh, jerk off Tom Wilson and talk about what a great player he is and how the value he brings as a difficult, un stoppable force that other teams do not have an answer for even though tom wilson you know mashed people's heads in he's been suspended five separate times he's been fined two additional times and he's had several hits that were probably should have been fines but not suspensions Pierre made sure everybody on the national TV audience knew what a great hockey player Tom Wilson is. How lucky we are as spectators to get to see him play like a scumbag. Enough about Pierre. The game starts, line brawl. Right off the bat, we got three separate fights. You get Rooney in there, you get DiGiuseppe in there. And while I do think those guys fighting, they had their hearts in the right place. It shouldn't have been their responsibility to get their pound of flesh for what happened on Monday. The whole point of a Department of Player Safety is to prevent retaliatory hits. On Tuesday afternoon, I was working on a video, and I found in there a video where Gary Bettman was talking about retaliatory incidents and how the NHL Department of Player Safety handles them so well because they have former players in charge. And I think that's very funny and very cute that Gary thinks his Department of Player Safety does that when it doesn't. What 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 other cause would the Rangers have to start a line brawl at the first puck drop of the game, two days after playing a game in which the team's best player was injured and isn't going to play the last few games of the season after their owner called out the Department of Player Safety. Would you call that a retaliatory action or no? Because I would call that a retaliatory action. And the whole point of the Department of Player Safety is to not put players in further danger. You know what else happened? Guys who don't normally fight fought. People like Ryan Strom. And again, I commend Ryan Strom for dropping the gloves and fighting. That's not his game. And I'm very grateful no one on the Rangers got hurt during the course of the game on Wednesday trying to do something they're not typically good at you know I know every boomer likes to complain that the Rangers aren't a tough team that they won't fight that they don't have heart and to some degree that's true they don't have any guys on their team who are good at fighting uh I think I'd say their best fighter is probably Brendan Smith but he's not a fighter in the way some of the other guys in the league used to be I mean to be fair there are no there aren't really any fighters left in the league. Uh, Ryan Reeves is probably the only true fighter left because for all of Tom Wilson's scumbaggery, he does still score 20-25 goals a season, unfortunately. And it just brings a very simple point. All the NHL had to do was suspend Tom Wilson two, three games. There were three games left in the capital season. Suspend him for three games. Make sure the Rangers know if there's any retaliatory action because we suspended him, you're getting an automatic suspension. You know what this reminds me of? When the Mets threw at Chase Utley the season after he broke Ruben Tejada's leg in the World Series, Syndergaard and Terry Collins both got ejected from the game, and they both got suspended the following game or two. 
the Mets did not get any justice from Major League Baseball, so they felt it had to come from them. And it put Chase Utley, it put Noah Syndergaard, it put players on both teams in danger because the bench is emptied. You can't have that kind of justice in today's day and age. We are past the barbarian ways of sports of yesteryear. Yes, there is still room for fighting in the NHL, but it's got to be authentic. Those guys dropping the gloves at first puck drop as a blood pack to go out and send a message as soon as the game started, it was admirable, but it didn't accomplish anything. The Rangers didn't have a chance of winning on Wednesday night. They were thoroughly outclassed by a team that's going to make the playoffs. The Rangers are depleted. Kreider didn't play. Truba didn't play. Panarin didn't play. So Lindgren didn't play. So many guys you would expect to be a difference maker in these games. They weren't out there. The Rangers had nothing at all to play for on Wednesday. Only thing they had to play for was the possibility of getting injured. I know Rick Carpinello of The Athletics suggested it jokingly, but the Rangers should have just refused to play tonight. There was nothing to be gained from playing tonight. The only thing that could have happened was someone getting hurt. The Rangers were going to lose this game 100 times out of 100. The lineup is depleted. They're dressing eight rookies. There's no chance the team could have won. And it's frustrating to see the stubborn fucks, the Jeff O'Neills, the Paul Bissonettes, the Ryan Whitney's, the Greg Wisniewski's, the Emily Kaplan's, who think this accomplished something. That the Rangers was stood up for themselves, and everyone's overreacting. Tom Wilson doesn't do anything to get... Tom Wilson gets singled out because he acts like a fucking psychopath. What grown-ass man can't handle their emotions? I've been in that kind of situation where there's been a fight about to start and I've laughed in the person's face trying to instigate it because they're a schmuck. I was playing street hockey one time and I took a face-off. I won the face-off. I turned back to see where the defenseman was with the puck and the guy who just lost the face-off to me punched me in the back of the head and knocked me down and I laughed on in his face from the ground because it's a joke. How are you getting that mad over a fucking game? The Capitals ended up winning on Monday night anyway. I don't understand how Tom Wilson is a grown man who can't keep his emotions in check. He's a good hockey player. All he has to do is play hockey. You can still throw checks. You can be physical. What happens between the whistles, there's a decorum here. You can't be trying to maim people. Throwing someone without a helmet down onto the ice should be a suspension. This is not rocket science. You need to protect the players. Don't even get me started on the bullshit them giving Buchnevich five in a game for cross-checking when Anthony Manta was cross-checking him the entire shift. And then when Manta came at Buchnevich, Buchnevich put his hands up to protect himself and he cracked Manta in the mouth. How come Manta didn't get a penalty for slashing Buchnevich a bunch of times before the incident happened? Because the referees don't give a fuck. You saw it on Monday night when Tom Wilson ragdolled Panarin to the ground and the referee watched it happen with his hands on his hips. He got thrown to the ground a second time and then the referees got in there when they realized, oh shit, there's a guy without a helmet on down on the ground. We got to get in there to protect him before this mongoloid beats the shit out of him. 
embarrassing display from the officials. Embarrassing. They gave Kevin Rooney a game misconduct for making fun of Tom Wilson from the bench. The same NHL officials who were okay with someone getting their head bashed in weren't okay with taunting from the bench. That was just a step too far for them. Disgraceful. Absolutely fucking disgraceful. That was an embarrassment to the game of hockey on Wednesday night. And yeah, the mouth breathers got some entertainment. The Rangers still got walked by a better team. Fighting does not win hockey games. Throwing checks does not win hockey games. Scoring goals and making saves win hockey games. That's a good way to transition to the last part of the episode. What I'm thinking going forward. The questions I have. Number one. Will David Quinn be the coach in four days in the regular season, in five days when the regular season ends? I don't think so. I do think Chris Drury would want to bring in his own guy. I know Chris Drury is a David Quinn guy. I know he was part of the reason David Quinn came in initially. I think Chris Drury has to realize that Dolan will come for him too if the results don't come. I think Drury was kind of the hatchet man waiting in the wings, waiting for this. We know he's had opportunities to interview with other teams. We know he's been offered jobs by other teams. I know Darren Dreger mentioned it during the intermission that the Florida Panthers had offered the job to him this past offseason, and he rebuffed it. He said no. You got to think Drury knew in the back of his mind he could get the general manager job at the expense of Jeff Gordon, who had spent the better part of the last six years grooming him as the assistant general manager, and... I do worry worry a little bit about Drury doing this job. I don't know. We don't really have a lot to work with. We know he hired Knobloch to run the AHL team. The AHL team's been better the last few years since Drury got that added to his plate of responsibilities as the AHL general manager, not just the assistant GM. The AHL team has been better, but we don't have much of a track record to work with here of understanding what type of players Drury wants. We do know that Larry Brooks is at least supposing that part of the problem for James Dolan is how the series against the Islanders went where the Rangers just kind of got bodied around with a depleted lineup that was missing a few guys. He felt that didn't sit right, that the Rangers had no fight, that they kind of just rolled over and died. And to some extent, I do agree that that's not acceptable and that if you're a professional athlete making the money you make, you got to protect you got to you got to stand up for the jersey sometimes and that is dumb and that is old school but I do understand his frustration to some degree and I think the saving grace here is that there are just aren't a ton of plugs still floating around the NHL guys who are going to play 9 minutes on your fourth line and punch someone's face in I was texting with someone earlier about this there's about 10 to 15 guys left in the league who actually use their body in a positive way, and I would describe as will-first players who aren't afraid to be physical. We're talking about the Kachuk brothers. We're talking about old man Wayne Simmons. We're talking about Tom Wilson. We're talking about Ryan Reeves. We're talking about Evander Kane, Jesper Faust, Barkley Goudreau, Blake Coleman. There's not a whole lot of guys around the league anymore that fall into that box of being gritty with upside. I think if the Rangers bring a plug in here to play on the fourth line to be the Ross Johnston of the team, I don't think it would go particularly well. I don't think I don't think Drury would do that is my main hope. Yes, that is me projecting onto another person I don't know. 
I did see Chris Drury walking out of the garden on the phone one time, and I tried stopping him to ask him a question, and he pointed to his phone and continued walking away a little bit faster. I saw him come back with Starbucks, so whatever he was doing couldn't have been that important. What's Drury's mandate here? Does he have an edict that the Rangers need to make the playoffs for the 2021-2022 season? If so, this is going to be an aggressive offseason. I know a lot of people think that maybe this is the precipice to bringing Jack Eichel into the fold. Like I've said a few times now, if Jack Eichel's medicals are fine, if the Rangers go over his physical and they feel like he's okay, I'd be more than fine with trading for Jack Eichel. He's one of the 10, 15 best players in the entire league. You drop him in here, it will immediately elevate the talent around him because he he was an MVP candidate on a Buffalo Sabres team. That's all that needs to be said about Jack Eichel. The big move is coming. We know James Dolan likes these moves. This is a guy who forced the Carmelo Anthony trade back in 2011 when he could have just waited three more months and gotten Carmelo just for cash. Instead, they had to trade a bunch of assets to the Denver Nuggets to make it happen. My big assumption here is that James Dolan understands that the reason the Knicks are working right now is because Leon Rose has a vision for what the team needs to be doing, and Chris Drury is just going to be his Leon Rose. That is what I am telling myself to not panic, because there was a minute there earlier today, about 3.30, when I had just gotten back from my run, and I was a little bit nervous. I was kind of panicky that, well, fuck, Dolan's going to start nicking the Rangers, and they're going to end up fucking this up. Yeah, I took a pause there. Uh, I was, I'm was i watching the uh, Calgary Flames-Winnipeg Jets game while I'm recording here, and during intermission, Elliot Friedman said, Don't be surprised if Buchnevich gets a game or two for his cross-check of Anthony Manta. Genuinely, I hope George Peros gets fucking bent. If they give Buchnevich a game or two after not suspending Wilson, I... I don't know how you don't call this a Mickey Mouse league. The league doesn't care about player safety. It only cares about appearances. It's a fucking joke. Wrapping up. The Rangers are going to have $27 million of cap space. They're going to have a few restricted free agents. When everybody who's a restricted free agent is paid... I'm expecting them to have in the ballpark of 8 to $9 million left over. That's enough to bring in another impact player. You can probably get Ryan Nugent Hopkins for $7.5 million, $8 million a year. Or that might be part of the money for a Jack Eichel deal where the Rangers are probably going to have to send salary Buffalo's way because Buffalo would probably want a roster player or two. And you use that extra money you have on your books to pay Eichel for the difference between him and, say, like a Buchnevich and a Strom, something in that ballpark. There is a lot of potential for this situation to go very, very bad very, very quickly. If James Dolan starts doing Isaiah Thomas-era Knicks things very quickly, we could be going from one of the most promising young cores in the league to an absolute joke. I am going to hope that James Dolan has been listening to the Upper Bowl GM podcast and full well knowing his team has too much talent to be playing as poorly as it did this year. And that starts by changing the direction of your team with president of hockey operations and general manager. God willing, I hope it means the coach. I have a cigar picked out, saved, pulled aside for when David Quinn gets fired because that dipshit has been irking me and ruining my life for too damn long. 
I hope you learned a little bit about some of the decisions, some of the theories that are floating around there. If you have the time, I would really appreciate a follow for the Upper Bowl GM podcast on Twitter. If you are inclined, you want to listen to more of this type of show, we're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud. Post pretty frequently. I like to have guests because it helps spice things up. I don't often like to monologue unless I really have something to say, like on tonight's show. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please take the extra minute. Go to the show's page. Scroll to the bottom. Leave a five-star review. There are going to be five clear stars. Hit the one furthest to the right. Beneath that is a button with purple lettering that says write a review. Please, if you have the time, leave me a few words. They do. I do really appreciate any encouragement I do get. It helps. I will have a blog up on Gotham SN tomorrow. I have a blog up from earlier in the week that's about the Rangers. That's actually about hockey, the style of play, how the Rangers can be a little bit more efficient in the offensive zone. And then I have one about the Department of Player Safety not caring about player safety and Every single time they let Tom Wilson get away with one of these bullshit incidents, they're just getting closer to another Steve Moore or Mark Savard incident. The NHL is waiting for another player to get forcibly retired by a forced hit to the head. I will see you guys tomorrow. We are finally going to get to talk about the Chicago Cubs with my friend Maddie. That episode was originally going to go up today, but the events of Wednesday occurred, and I just couldn't wait. This news is hot. It needs to be out there. I need to talk about it. That's why I posted the video. I will see you guys tomorrow. If something else crazy happens, I'll be ready. I'll be standing by. Check out the blog. I'll see you guys.